Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a August 31st edition of the MSP Initiative MSP Talk. That is the very last day of the summer. And here we are uh, really just about to fire into conference season. I feel like all year has been conference season. I digress. Let's just get some general housekeeping out of the way, and then we'll get into the good stuff. So mspinitiative.com, this is where all the stuff that we do uh, is posted. So this session, for example, is being recorded, and it will be available in podcast and video format at mspinitiative.com under sessions. We completed our Community Minds event. This is our post first post-MSP uh, Channel Strong Tour. Uh, event. This went really well. We had a bunch of expert speakers and MSPs on panels. Uh, I really think that we created a you know a more f- interesting blueprint that's past the trade show booth uh, for whatever it's worth. Uh, I think this one went really well. I uh, got some really good feedback. We're going to start to plan the next one of these. So uh, probably coming in 2024. Stay tuned. So for the rest of this year, we now uh, have already completed the MSP Community Boat Party. This was in conjunction with Taylor Business Group and the Big Big Conference, as well as the other, uh, you know, kind of block parties we've done earlier in the year in Europe. So now we have two left to close out 2023. One is going to be uh, tied with Datacon here in the U.S. So if you're headed to Miami, we will be hosting the official after party for datacon this will be on night two of the conference i know we usually do this on night one but we shifted over a day we're doing this at the hard rock right on the water down the street from the intercontinental hotel which is the main hotel for the datacon event uh, however if you're in south florida and you're an msp and you want to join us there's nothing stopping you so please do that notice that you can register as an msp or anybody anything other than an msp um, so definitely give us uh, a try. And then the second, the last one, this is the big one to close out the year uh, in conjunction with IT Nation in November. On November 8th, we'll be doing the MSP Community Block Party there as well. Last year, we had the All-American Rejects. We'll be announcing our entertainment for this year's party soon. Uh, but that'll be on November 8th, which is the first night of IT Nation after the welcome reception, 9 p.m. until hopefully you are not falling down, but has had enough uh, entertainment for the evening, probably around two o'clock if you can make it, uh, you know, till that point. So check it out, uh, the MSP Community Block Party on November 8th in Orlando. Do not miss that one either. We have some community offers. These are just IT vendors that are putting some hookups or some special offers out to the community, check them out. And then lastly is our industry calendar, which probably looks like a, other, a lot of other industry calendars. Uh, we are starting to get 2024 dates and we will start to populate uh, anything that we know about there so that you can plan accordingly. So that is all of the housekeeping. Today, we bring on Shy. I said that correctly. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening uh, in the uh, the circles and in the sandbox. But Shai, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Great to see you again, George. Absolutely. I saw you've been out and about this year. I saw you in Europe. Saw you a little bit here on the U.S. side. So you're yeah. definitely uh, you're definitely getting your airline miles this year. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> 
tell tell us for for anyone that you know hasn't met you personally um i'd love you to share your story a little bit so people understand like your background and how we get into what you do and why it makes sense for people in it and msp land go for it okay so my name is shy i am the ceo of kamanja uh, i will talk a little bit more about kamanja later but we are doing uh, in general compliance as a service for managed service providers so where it came from and why we're doing it so my background is a linux engineer i used to work in a startup company in israel and we used to struggle with compliance. Then we ask our managed service provider, hey, we need to do compliance because it's requested by our clients and he didn't have any solution for us. Um, so what we did, me and my partner, it's okay, let's learn how we, how we do ISO, GDPR, and that's implemented uh, during the, during our, uh, during in, in our company. So right after that, once we finish everything and implement, and we realize that if we add as a small menu business structure of solution that help us do it more easily and without all the feature kill solution and buying tons of products and make the make this journey very easy. So maybe it can help us. So we spoke with our MSP, do for them a quick mock-up, and this is how Kamanja can build. So all of our technology uh all of our technology knowledge came into a one single platform together with the MSPs in Israel. Uh, and in last October, October 2022, we've been in US. It wasn't a big buzz. I met many great people that became a good friend uh, and learned a lot in the market. Uh, and now we just, in the 1st of August, we are uh, recruit our first US, uh, US person that is our channel director, Martin Perkins. Amazing guy. Um, and now we are speaking. <laughs> awesome. No, that's great. I mean, it's amazing how many, you know, th there's definitely a, a software, you know, startup community in Israel, right? We see a lot of great companies come out of that part of the world and um, some smart people, although, you know, the world is a big place, but you guys have definitely, you know, been, uh, been, you know, throwing some home runs there, you know, pretty consistently. Um, Obviously, the IT community globally is really big, but when you talk about the subsection managed services companies who largely target, you know, like not enterprise, right? Uh, let's just put a number yeah. to it. Now, let's call it 250 employees probably at the top, yeah. but mostly usually under 100 employees. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, look at Zoom out and say, hey, listen, we're hearing a lot of mixed signals, right? You know, you hear, you know, the federal government saying one thing with all their different agencies. You hear the insurance companies just trying to make sure that they don't pay, you know, you know, go bankrupt because they, you know, don't want to pay out, you know, crazy things. And then everywhere in between, you're hearing just different shades of gray, you know, where, <laughs> you know, effectively they're just saying, hey, something's coming. We don't know what. And by the way, we haven't put out anything as a community to really self-police. I guess CompTIA came out with a Trustmark program like within the last 12 months. And that's really, really new. I, some people, you know, I know the Matt Lees of the world say it kind of, you know, takes a lot of different concepts from a lot of different, you know, uh, compliance, you know, programs and kind of meshes them together so that like it kind of touches a lot of different areas, whether it's CMMC or ISO one, blah, 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 or, 
all that, you know, like it just touches three or four or five different of these, but um, it sounds like from talking with a lot of MSPs, especially recently, that if you overlap a lot of the compliances, there's like, I don't know, 70 or 80% overlap. Does that sound right to you? It's the exact number. Yeah, it's the exact number. Let me tell you even deeper. Most of the cyber insurance and another and another uh, companies that requested you and other entities that requested you doing filling their questionnaires and those stuff are based on compliance. Hmm. So once you knows, uh, once you are, for example, following CIS control, NIST CSF doesn't matter, and you have a good structure for compliance for compliance, then it will be more easy for you to do most of the things. So hmm. you just need to know. You just need to have the right solution or the right knowledge how to how to answer the right question in a minimal time. Because as as an MSP, you don't want to waste your time of filling papers all the time and try to find gaps, right? So you must have something that help you doing all of that easily. Yeah. So, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so you know, if so, back to the overlaps, seventy to eighty yeah. percent. So it's more than the majority, okay? Let's be honest. Yeah. So like, I don't understand, you know, like if I'm an MSP who's never seen any of these compliances before and mm -hmm. I go to try and figure out what, what am I doing today and does it even fall into the radar? Would you say that they follow that, you know, generally, right? I'm just averaging. Are they already doing half of this already, 50% or is it lower? I'm just trying to understand you know, like so, I'm not trying to say the brand brand new guy that just started yeah. yesterday, or I'm not trying to say the guy that's been in business for 20 years. Like what's, what's, what's the general average? So it depends. Uh, we need to split it into two different conversations. One, it's if you're following privacy and the second it's security, there's two different mm. methods. So first of all, you need to understand what you're handling. So if you're handling client's information, you must following the privacy controls because how do you handle the and client information, how do you save it? What do you collect? Credit card, uh, sensitive information, and all of those uh, kind of things. The other thing, it's about security. How do you secure your infrastructure? So hmm. let's say if you're, for example, here in Israel, when we want to work with the US entity, most of the companies asking us, you must following SOC2. So SOC2, it's, I can't say it's a compliance framework. It's like, uh, it's like SOC, it's, if, you, if you compare it to SOC 1, it's like the finance uh, report. So SOC 2, it's more security and kind of privacy report. So once we, once we did this one and we already did ISO, the overlap is 70%, so even more. But if I go to GDPR, for example, or CCPA that are quite the same, they handle in privacy, then the privacy control that are in the SOC 2 covering 20% of the privacy control of the GDPR. Mm. But if you're comparing the security framework from NIST, CIS, ISO, SOC2, the security control, most of them are doing the same, are the same. So that's the idea. So first of all, you need to understand mm. what are you following and which information do you collect? How do you store it? How do you handle it? And then you need to start from some general. I all the time used to recommend about ISO because this is the most framework that I love because you have a stamp on it. Because you must do, you can do ISO, then you go to auditor and give you a stamp. 
So this is a, another better proof of it, and it's not so expensive. Um, but most of the people in US like to do CIS and NIST CSF. It's a good it's a good framework too. Don't get me wrong. But when you do ISO, like you have a, you have a certificate that you're following something from an auditor. It's not so cheap. Uh, it's not it's not cheap, but it's not expensive as much. And the implementation it's quite easy and simple if you know how to do that. And mm -hmm. once you have one of those base framework, this is how I like to call it base framework. Then you can go out to the rest of them. And again, it's depend on what you cover, privacy or security. If you do ISO and then you go to SOC2, then you go to CIS, then you go to NISTSF, you're covering a lot of those frameworks. But you must understand what is the overlap. So for example, in our platform, once you do ISO, we're telling you automatically what you cover in all of the frameworks, CMMC, NIST, EPA, and all of those things, hmm. and even in cyber insurance. So that's the idea. But this is a lot of, no this you need to have a lot of knowledge because you know compliance it's like it's like uh tax it's like many grays many shades of grays right so <laughs> you really need to understand what you do and how you do it so no that's, that's uh, i mean that's very interesting that you you present it in that way because like at the end of the day i think the end customers that you're servicing are driving a lot of how you decide where to start right you know, mm -hmm. like if you have a lot of customers in medical versus finance versus, you know, you know, pharmaceutical, I don't know, pick your industries, right? Like these people yeah. really force you down a path, right? Yeah. Um, one thing's for sure, a lot of MSPs will come to you, and I'm sure you've heard this before. Well, I'm not holding any data. Like yeah. I have access for to be able to, you know, deliver IT services, but I don't actually possess either the customer or the end customer of the customer's information. What do you, do you, do you push back when they say that? Because like on their servers, on their cloud storage, on their hard drives, like none of that is being stored, right? Yeah, but the MSP are managing it. So yep. they have access to that information. Even if it's not them, they have an access to that information. So the one who should, you know, it's a good question because now the question around it, it's, a, it's all the question here is around the liability because if everything is stored in my end, okay, so it's mean, you know what, let's take it even step back. Compliance is about risk management, right? So first of all, you need to understand what is the risk. So who is the risk, who is the risk owner? Does it the MSP? Does it the, small, the SMB? I don't know. We need to think about it. Right after it, when the MS, even all the all the infrastructure, all the servers, all the, everything is uh, on prem on the client side, still the MSP are the one who manage the configuration and the ones who have an access to this data is this way or another. And then the question is, okay, under which liability if some security breaches occur, is this is the MSP or the SMB? So there is a long story about it. I spoke I spoke I spoke about it a lot. Uh, and right okay, now it doesn't let matter. Me, let me throw a wrinkle yeah. at you then. Yeah. What happens if it's co-managed situation? The end the customer has internal IT. They come to the MSP or IT service provider and they're just doing specific things, right? Hey, I'm assigning one project to you, or you're providing just one service. Same rules, or is the liability now different because it's not ongoing, right? It's very targeted engagement. Yeah, so for my opinion, it's like, again, is the, the question is around what data 
MSP have an access to. If this okay. data is not sensitive, this is not uh, under uh, I, uh, I classification, then, you know, who cares? Really like that, right? But if it's a public information or information, informational information, so it's not a big deal. Uh, the question around, and you're right, the question around what is the, what is the type of data that the MSP have an access? So mm -hmm. if, if you have an access to sensitive information, 100%. The liability you you have your shared liability, so shared responsibility on both of them. But for my opinion, uh, but if he get an access, for example, he doing a project and he and he get an, an he get an access, for example, only to only to Office three sixty five, maybe configure something not security related, maybe configure Office three sixty five, create some users and etc. And they follow the policies and the best practice of Microsoft. So maybe they don't have shared liability because they done one configuration and then they out, they have closed the connection. I think when speaking about liability and compliance, it's more about the ongoing, the ongoing stuff. So because compliance is not a destination, it's, it's a journey. It's all the time you need to manage that, right? So it's all the time you need to be managed. And for example, if you do a project base, you must understand that your uh, policies and your procedure when you do a project are secure. For example, if you're the, if you're even even if you're a, a MSP that do only, for example, automation project, do only uh, development processes, you must understand that you need to follow not all the framework, but maybe you must follow secure development lifecycle, right? And uh, and have some pre-built questionnaire around it. So it's really depend. And again, it's quite a gray area, but I recommend all the time, if you don't want to spend time and money, try to follow base framework like CIS, CSF, it's depending on what you're doing and start from there. So hmm. would you say that, all right, so that we, we've kind of narrowed into two lanes, right? I'm yeah. doing ongoing versus point in time, one-time thing, right? Yeah. It sounds like, and we've talked to, you know, the legal, you know, super peer, superheroes of the world, they're like, hey, we don't care what it is. There needs to be an MSA. There needs to be a scope of work, et cetera. Are you attaching your security frameworks that you're following as part of the, the initial conversation with your customer? All the time. All the time. I, I used to work in a, in a project company that we did, we, we did infrastructure for, for, for software, for software. We only did infrastructure. So we, you know, to build a trust with the client and tell them, look, what we do is really secure. We're following ISO. We had, we had, we used to be ISO compliance, and we tell you, even in the beginning, they sell. How do you and how do you how do we make sure that our and that you our inf our information that's stored on your, for example, drawio, just for drowning thing, are secure. No one exposed to it. You don't have to worry. We are following ISO compliance. We have our own procedures and policies that make sure that the information that we store during the project is secure. We're using multi-factor authentication. We're using strong password. We do yada, yada, yada. But we're following some framework and here's the certification. In Israel, it's very common to add those certification on the proposal that people understand, look, we are following some guidelines. So you, 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 we are trusted vendor. Interesting. I got to think that the pizza shop down the street doesn't really care. I mean, like, you know, their credit card system works. They're putting orders in. The oven's cooking. Life's good. Obviously, yeah. the larger the company or the more or the vertical of the company does make a difference, right? Like, 
I would say PCI compliance is not rocket science, right? I mean, like yeah. as an MSP, do you have access to the credit card terminal that's processing the transactions? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it may, may be that simple, right? Like, you know, it's yeah. not your problem. But I think things get gray though. To your point, you mentioned Office 365. You have no idea what data is in the email. Yep. Right. You have no idea what data is in the attachments and the OneDrive files and the whatever. Yep. So like, I almost hate to say it, but like the unorganizedness of the end customer may complicate this conversation when it comes to the MSP, no? Yes. And again, it's it's back to the question, which data, which information do they have access to? Right. So for I, example, wait, wait, hold on, let me pause you. They may not even know that that data exists though. So like, it's yeah. like you only find out after something bad happens and somebody comes to investigate and they said, well, you have Office 365 admin access. You're like, so I was just yeah. adding and removing users. I never logged into a mailbox. They're like, but while well, the mailbox has all of this stuff and you're like, I didn't know what the end customer was doing. You know, instead of them going to a secure website to enter their credit card, maybe they're still doing good old fashioned PDFs, credit card author authorization forms. And that form is in the form of an attachment on an email. I didn't know that. You're right. And this is why it's a gray area. This is why it's a gray area. And many service providers, many of them now start offering compliance services as part of their basic basics, uh, basics uh, packages. Why? Because, because of those questions. Because now, if they're not following the, the, their client, not following any framework, they expose the MSP business into a risk because now the liability, if they manage, is there. Is the MSP, yeah. is the MSP liability, right? So I beg, I'm giving you back your question. So, who is under who is liability? Is that? I, can I, I listen, I'm not a lawyer. Maybe I should. You know, take up a side uh, a side project and work on that on night. But <laughs> if 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 it was me, if somebody's asking me the question, yeah. you know, on uh, August thirty first, twenty twenty three, I argue, well, if the M if the end customer is just, you know, wild wild west, they're not they're not they're using their email as a filing cabinet. Everything and anything is there, and like I never told anybody that's what I was doing. I just said I have a problem with my email. Like I expect that I have to, you know, just like I call a plumber or electrician to come into my place because there's a problem. I understand I'm opening the door for them to come fix that problem, but then they leave. Right. And like, yeah. you know, if sometime later on after they came to fix that, they had, you know, my password was password one, two, three. And all of a sudden my email got compromised. Is it right? Or is it fair? I mean, I know the answer in America is anybody can sue for anything. Got it. But is it right? Or is it fair? And does the argument hold if I take a, an IT company to court and said, hey, they just came in and I asked them to do this one thing. But sometime later, I got hit and now I'm blaming them that my password was password one, two, three, and then they should pay. Like, I, I, I don't then, know. That's a weak argument. Yeah. You, and, and you're right. I agree with you. It's it's really depends. It really depends. And it's like I'm hearing a lot like the MSP should educate their clients about security and they must do strong password, do multi-factor authentication. And if they don't want to do it and don't listen to us, so maybe it will not be a good, a, good, a good client for us. Why? Because they put our business into a risk. But 
then again, the, those questions around who is liability, who should be on the court? It's the hemisphere on the end client. So who can suit who? So you, I, I really understand what you say, but it's all about education and the client. And if I do a project and like, for example, again, I'm not a lawyer and on a common sense for previous experience, it's like, what is the scope? What do I doing right after that? If something happened, this is under loyal, your liability because when I just get out from your, from your environment, it's yours. You are the one who, who should handle it, following that and just to prove that everything that I said is configured as you expected to do. There you go. But this is this is this is one-time project, which it's fine. And maybe you know, again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm just from experience, it's like, okay, now we can do nothing with it. But yeah. when it's a main, but when you are maintaining something and when you are doing uh, recurring services, here is another, it's a different story. It's so... a different story. There is a cost to compliance. It's usually not one and done, right? Like if you yeah. you mentioned SOC 2, you mentioned ISO, you mentioned all these things, like usually that stuff takes a lot of upfront effort, but then like you also need to keep up with it, right? It doesn't just last yeah. forever. So, you know, I'd love to get into what the cost of compliance is in a second, but like generally speaking, if my cost of doing business is now here, and not the floor, right? I'm not just, you know, starting. In order for me to even cover that cost, I need to question whether it makes sense for me yeah. to do something that's like, hey, that's only an hour or two of work. You know, I need I need to pay the lights. I need to cover my costs. Like, I, I my minimum is X, right? I need to be able to do yeah. this much with you or else I got to look, you know, I got to move on. Do you think that that's a reasonable thought? It sounds like it should be. Like, nobody wants to work... Not even for free. They're losing money if they have this cost of compliance now that they have to now cover. It's a good question, but when there is a law that forcing you doing it, like if you're in California and you have the CCPA, and if you're in Europe, you have the GDPR, you must do it. You can't run away from it, right? Uh, and if it's a client request, so a big client request, so you you must take in consideration those costs for you. Compliance is not as expensive as hell. Let's, you know, this is this is the base thing. So it can be started from 30 to 50 grand, something like that, easily. Okay. So if you're a small, medium business and you want to do compliance just for one time and there is a maintenance, this is what I'm hearing a lot from MSP that's working with us in the US. And this is what they used to charge or, or cost that are around it because compliance experts are expensive and they're hard to find. When they find that they are super expensive, in Israel the prices are quite different. Are quite different. It's like you can do ISO in four grants, something like that. Yeah, hmm. for a small company, twenty employees, something like that. Um, it really depends. But, I mean, thirty to fifty grand as you're like, let's say, if I'm starting an MSP for the first time today, let's say I was working internal IT, they laid everybody off. Now I'm going to start an IT company. That's not a small number to get started. Let's yeah, that's a pretty big. This is the end. This is the what will the cost to the small venue business. The MSP will be charged a little bit less because he want to get, he want to have around, he want to have around his labor hours, he want to have maintain hours, he need to buy a lot of solution and compli doing compliance easily it's around 100 hours without any additional solution. So now it's depend on your labor labor cost. And the time of implementation, it's around six months. Doesn't matter what framework you are doing. 
And now you need to buy tons of solution from supply chain management, uh, phishing training, uh, training and awareness, uh, using risk management tool, using questionnaires to your employees, uh, manage a lot of things. Uh, and I didn't speak even about vulnerability assessment and when you need penetration, so also penetration and more and more and more thing and all the process, communicate with your clients, understand what you have, collect the evidence, a lot of things. So, wow, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things to do. It's most of the time you need someone that, as we say, it's it's a gray area that someone that understands what the framework says, the compliance framework, what it says, and then translate to you to human read so that someone can understand what they actually mean. And hmm. yeah. So you don't expect who's not in your field to pick up the documents and be able to understand them is what you're telling me. That's the common sense. Uh, yeah. And this is what we try to do. So our vision is like simplify compliance for MSP and, the, and their clients. So this is actually what we did. It's like take all of those frameworks and translate them to human read uh, and give all the tools during the way that they can implement it and do it a recurring revenue and do a lot of great things. But yeah, before we came into the okay, picture, okay. even another solution yeah. in the market. I, 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 go, ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying like, even the technical stuff, like a lot of IT companies deal with Microsoft, for example, right? Yeah. Some of the stuff Microsoft puts out, you're like, I don't even understand what you're talking about. Like, I got to actually yeah. come back and ask questions because I'm like, you wrote this in such a way that like, I, you know, it could mean five different things. Like, what are, what are you actually saying here? I mean, I would say lawyers probably something similar, right? When they put out law, it's like, what are you trying to say here, right? Like, can you just talk regularly so I can get what you're saying instead of like this legalese? So the compliance, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like lawyers wrote some of the compliances, right? It's like, yeah. you, like dumb it down for me. Is there a compliance for dummies? Is there a book out there? I don't know. Like- Make it make it make sense. This piece of pizza costs two dollars. Okay, I know I understand what you're saying. I want pepperoni in my pizza. Maybe it cost me two fifty. Like I don't need it to make you know to be uh, you know a whole different language. Yeah, no, and you're right, and you're right, and th this is why it's so expensive because you need to get all of those lawyers that translate it to you, which is compliance expert. Um, and again, th th they are super professional. We work with many of them, right? Don't get me wrong. But it's depend on your maturity of the company level and how much money do you have to spend? Because if you're okay with and you have money to spend on it, which is fine, go and do that like that. They're amazing people. They do amazing job. They're super smart. But if you don't and you must do it, then here is your, here you are in a big problem because now you are in California and you need to follow the CCPA or you're in Europe, you need to follow the GDPR. And they came into the picture, this FTC safeguard. And tons of regulation that comes and, and you must require doing so. So how do you, again, as a small menu business can handle that during your MSP that have or don't have, have a minimal or don't have the skills for implement those. So now you, both of you. So, yeah. so hold on a second though. The size of the, doesn't the size of the company play a part here, right? Like if let's say you are a US company, let's use this example. Yeah. And you, somebody, you know, finds you online from Europe and they're like, Hey, I just yeah. need you to do this one thing. I see that you do that. Can you give me a price? 
that if that transaction isn't like let's say it's a few thousand dollars of labor are you now on or aren't you too small for gdpr aren't you too small like isn't there a threshold no once you handle link citizens data of european uh, of the european then you must follow gdpr period so it could be zero zero you must you handle you save data of seat of European citizen, you must follow GDPR. Even if you just store their name, mail, and, and phone number. And that's all. But isn't that public information? Like, can I Google that? Yeah, you can. So what like if it, why is it so protected if it's just publicly available? Because the idea of the privacy compliance, it's like how do you handle if it's it's maturity of handling those data? So the framework say not only how do you store and store the data, it's when someone asking for you getting their data, do you delete it? And you gave them and you keep the data only for the period of time that you requested. For example, let's assume that you are uh, doing uh, that you are doing a pizza order. Let's take the, this example. Now, someone from Europe calling to Deep Dish Pizza in Chicago to ever direct flight to UK to give them the, the Deep Dish Pizza, right? And now they store their information, credit card information, and they save it for the next order. But you don't know where is the next time they will order it, right? And those, and those the European citizens didn't give you the contents to save their data because you need to have a solid contents. Then you are in a big problem and you must delete those information. This is just small an example. So, and when you delete it, it's like you must be from everywhere from the phone call recording, from the, your database, from your credit card, uh, credit card if you're using a recurring uh, process or even from everywhere. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Sorry, I made it back. You good. <laughs> I, I hope you 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 hear my uh, all my oh, edits. I caught some of it. So how, let me give you the reverse, since yeah. I like to order a lot of pizza everywhere I go. So if I'm <laughs> at an event in the UK, yeah. I know that's slightly different because they I don't know they broke off or whatever Brexit. But like let's say I order 50 pizzas one night because like you know everybody's out late. And I just want to take care of people, and I you know I go online, I order 50 pizzas, I put it in my credit card. But I'm not a but I'm not a UK citizen. I'm not an EU citizen. I'm I'm from the US. Does the yeah. same rules apply? No, it depends. It it depends on on which region you are. For example, if you're from California and someone handling California citizen information, so it comes to the same. It's a GDPR side. It really depends what where you came from and what you're doing. Then the then the mm -hmm. then the government can suit you or the SA. This is how the GDPR guys call it, uh, supervisor authority. Uh, they can see to you, for example, Meta, Facebook, get fine, and Google get fine. Google, yeah. Google in Google in other company, not Europe. Google in another region. They have many companies. They get fine because of they didn't handle correctly uh, European citizen uh, European citizen uh, information. That's interesting. So yeah, so hold on. Few let, months me, ago. let me just let me just throw one wrinkle in there though. So back to the like pizza shop, sure. since we love we love pizza. Yeah. They're using the company credit card. Yeah. How does the pizza place and their system provider know 
that you're from a place that has compliance attached to you, right? Like, you know, like it's not obvious. Do I have to now ask questions when they go to check out where are you located? Where are you from? Like, how do you? This is a big problem. It's like, it's a big problem. So there is many ways, if you're talking around this thing, there is many ways to handle it. So, and we used to do this in the previous company that I used to work. We did a telephonic system. And what we say, it's like, first of all, where is the region that you, where, where is the city that you want to order the pizza? Okay. And then you start having insight where it came from. Uh, so for example, if you are, uh, let's assume that if you are, uh, staying in, um, if you are staying in uh, in uh, UK, you will not order from uh, from Belgian pizza, right? So, but then you need to you need to understand you need to understand then the your color, what is the region? So it really depends. So the most the the best thing that you can do is just you know if someone order for your pizza, don't record the call plus don't save any data then you are good to go, right? And again, I'm not a lawyer, but... If you don't have it, they can't ask for it. Is that what you're saying? That's all. Okay. It's, it's advice, it. right? So... <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a good rule in a lot of areas, I think. Um, <laughs> so back to the, the average MSP, right? Uh, I mean, there's so many of them, right? At least in the US, there's could be 60, 70,000 MSPs, but... What are the base, like, so what, what, you know, you, you probably have like a macro view on the people you're working with, right? Yeah. What are you seeing generally as the base compliance, the base frameworks? CIS. CIS. Yeah. CIS people like it. Uh, and I see more adoption on CSF because it's a little bit more technical, but most of the people that I'm working with in US, they like the CIS framework. Okay. And that's, and that that gets updated pretty much annually from my understanding right so there's changes it just there's it changes seems, all the time it seems like the compliances are kind of like flavor of the week to some degree i heard for 2 years cmmc was the one and then all of a sudden yeah. i heard and then yeah there was nist there's some people who are on the left cmmc and then right nist and then all of a sudden it was like okay, well, CMMC, I guess, got watered down or it never got deployed or redeployed. I don't know what happened. And then all of a sudden, like, here comes, uh, you know, CIS, right? And then, like, you know, I feel like, you know, every time somebody makes a decision, like, it's like, oh, oh we're going to throw that in the trash. Now we're going to go over here. Like, why, why is there not a defined route? Is it just there's too many cooks in the kitchen? I think yes, and they can't find the right chef for him, for them. So, <laughs> so for my opinion, it's you know most of again most of the framework are quite the same. So, and you must find the one that are very uh, tailor made for an M for you as an MSP and for your clients because you manage your infrastructure. So you must find the right framework that suits you the most. So CMMC, for example, is based on NIST 101 and 171 and 172, right? So these are the CMMC, but CMMC, it's only tools we're handling with the DOD. And, but if you're, again, a general, so I may consider you right now in the US, what I see in most, it's CIS and CSF because are not so hard and are easy and they suit the most of the MSPs. 
Uh, MSP more, that do more want to have more technical stuff. They following the CSF. Uh, but again, it's only the, the people that I face that I'm working with, so it's maybe changed in other places. So it really mm. depends. I spoke okay. with a lot. So, so let's, let's talk. So since CIS seems to be the most popular from what you're saying, you know, like, could you get CIS done in a month? I, at least the beginning part of it? Or is it a year to get it done? Because like the SOC, you know, to do a SOC too, you need at least a year, right? I don't think you could do it faster. So CIS, like, what's the general time involvement? It's depend because CIS it's not a audit uh, it's on it's not an audit uh, auditable uh, you can audit it with uh, some expert but it's not mandatory to do an audit like like SOC two that you must have the CPA that come to audit for you to do the audit to you mm -hmm. um, but it depends on how much how much work in adoption and how you implement it and what system do you use so mm -hmm. I saw that people implement CIS in six months. So, and even three months, it depends on how, 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 how much time they invest on it and how, much, and how easy and how set of easy, easy set of tools they have to implement and maintain it. Again, it's not only to implement it, it's also the, main, the, the maintain, because for example, if you have a new employee that come into your company, they need now follow CIS. So you need to have the possibility to, to monitor that and give them the right uh, policy, training, and et cetera. You have a new supplier. Okay, how do you make sure that he's following CIS or they or those under the policy that you write by the CIS controls? So mm. it depends. Uh, it depends from three to six months, Depend on the company size, how many solutions do they have, how many evidence collection do they do, if they have policy, they don't have policy, uh, and if they have the right the right solution for them. Hmm. Okay. And then, like, if you were, I guess it's a variable. So if you could give a range, that would be okay too. Is that the thirty thousand dollar investment? Is that the ten thousand dollar? Like, I'm I'm sure it depends on the size and all the other things you just talked about. But like, what's a ballpark? It's around don't again don't don't uh don't quote me but it's around 30 grand something like that for my opinion uh, not for my opinion for numbers that i see in the market um it's around 30 grants because only implement cis or any other control control people estimated it's around uh, 60 to 100 hours depend on the company size and then they have the maintenance is around 16 hours a month to maintain those things. Hmm. So yeah, this the again, this is a ballpark. This is what I see from MSP that I'm working with. Um this is how they so, do. We shorten we shorten this time dramatically, 50 to 70 percent. Because well, in our solution. number one, that sounds fantastic. But number two, like what happens in the 16-ish hours? of monthly maintenance to like keep up with the compliance? Like what do you have to do generally? So most of the time is doing a, a, a weekly calls with the top management, the steering committee of those compliance framework, those compliance and in the company side. Uh, if there is any change, uh, monitor and do changes on the infrastructure, uh, make sure that the policy is updated, people are following it. If there is a new supplier, make sure that the supply chain, that they that they following the compliance. Uh, it's like when you get into the audit day, you don't need to spend another hundred and hours because you you maintain it all the time and you make sure when you go to the audit again, then you are then then you are okay. Especially when you do CIS and CSF and those kind of stuff that you don't have, you don't want to bring an auditor. 
you must make sure you're following these frameworks all the time. So if there is any changes, if someone add a new solution to their stack of softwares, if configuration is changed, if there is update, if you find vulnerability, how do you handle that? So because you're as an MSP, you want all the time to be on, on a spot of, uh, of a single soft of truth of security. Why? Because if you if the, your client will bring someone else to do it, then they push you to they they pushing you for doing that, and you cannot do upsells and do more business from the compliance. Because for me, as I see it, compliance is an opportunity, right? Why? I'll tell you why. It's simple. Because if as an MSP you can sell right now EDR antivirus doesn't matter what, and now your client following compliance, they must do it right now. And now if someone else telling them to do it and then he can say to them, oh, you can do it that way or other way. Oh, I can give you those solutions from someone that I know in a discount. Then you're losing money. Um, yeah, and you're, as an MSP, they must all the time be in a spot that they're like the, the one who handle their, all their compliance infrastructure, all their security infrastructure, be a top leader with your clients, right? So then they can do more money from compliance and it can be an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, listen, the end customers that know that they have to do it, that's awesome because like there's not a lot of education needed from from the other side to say, this is why you need to do this. Or like, yeah, we already know we need to do this. Let's talk about what it takes, right? But I feel still, especially in the smaller customers, they're like, I'm too small for this. This, you know, like I, you know, I need to be bigger before I have to worry about this or nobody's forcing my hand to go down this road. So until I have to, you know, let's just keep the lights on and don't worry about the rest of this. And like, I still feel like that's a large part of the conversation for some reason. You're right. It's all about education. Even, even it's come even bigger when you come to the small companies because most of the bridges are for the small medium businesses right now. And it will be growing. This is what we see on the numbers. And yeah. MSP should educate their clients about compliance and why it's important. So people don't care. They don't have multi-factor authentication. They do care what is the result of that. So this is what MSP should show them and maybe do some use cases, testimonial. We working, uh, we're working with our MSP about it and we give them, we give them a testimonial use cases and examples uh, and tools that we have in the platform that help them to sell, not compliance, sell risks. And people... Get understand because they don't have multi-factor authentication, they're exposed to that risk. Okay, now let's see how do we mitigate? We must all some compliance framework. Easy. So it's all about education. Uh, what What do you say to the MSPs out there who are like, "Hey, my customers just won't pay for full blown compliance. I'll do as much as I can to call it. You know, it's like compliance light, right? It's like I'm going to do the things that the compliances are going to ask for up to a certain point." I'm going to implement things. I'm going to make sure that like you're doing the security focused things, but I may not go through a full-blown CIS for the end customer. I I like your question because we call it lend and expand approach. So we say to our client, our MSP that don't want to start from compliance framework. Let's start with the basic. Just manage risks. That's all. And do the basics, multi-factor authentication, strong password, EDR, small things that are very simple, that are common, right? Mm-hmm. But managing risks. When you educate your client during doing QBRs, maybe weekly, maybe monthly calls with them, show them, look, this one, this is what we cover. This is all the risk we are found. This is how we're handling that. So 
what do you think right now if you want to take it to the next step we should do that okay not ready this month let's talk about next month then you show them progress we have done we used to be this risk because your decision is to install edr the risk has been reduced you see now how my, how do you reduce your your exposure so it's about lend and expand approach this is what we believe on and it seems to work very well so if you but again it's a question come to the picture the liability so and again for me it's hard to say uh what is the right i wish that all everyone would do compliance because this is what needs to be done right so they must secure their, their company their business but if not we recommend a start from the basics and educate your client during not only just saying that also show them something and work with them it's like one hour a month of working and you can change dramatically your everything in your in your and your client and the MSP client infrastructure. Why? Mm -hmm. Because you show them a risk and you show them progress. That's all. I I you know I talk to the Matt Lees of the world a lot, and they say, you know, it's like Microsoft, right? You can anybody can go online to 365.com, put in a credit card, agree to a, a plan, uh, sign up for a plan, you're on your way. But the opening position of 365 their even their cybersecurity score is low yeah right they say hey you should do all these things to get your score higher but when they just give it to you you open up that pizza box from microsoft it's like oh well it's like a 50 and so why is it that they don't turn that around and say it's secure when we give it to you you have to turn it off rather than have to turn it on why is that <laughs> there it is. Simple answer, huh? Okay. This is you, you, you. I tell you because once the first time that we handle uh, Office three sixty five, I think it was two years ago, and we just and they Office three sixty five told us, okay, you are forty percent uh, compliance. Amazing. Now you need to do this and that and that. Ah, you need to move to the premium account. Oh, now I move to premium account. No, it's not enough. Let's move to the other, to the other, to the other package, to higher package. Then you find yourself paying around seventy bucks a year, a month per per user for all the security infrastructure, only for only for Office three sixty five, right? If people, <laughs> if they were, were good with us, so it's maybe what used to be the opposite, but they want to do money. <laughs> Interesting. So, so what you're saying is you can't even get to a really good security score until you actually pay more. This, this is what happened to us. It's funny because this is exactly what happened. And when I spoke with my MSP in Israel, they told me, okay, you need to upgrade. Then you need to upgrade. Then you need to upgrade. Then you need to upgrade. All the time upgrades. Okay, when stop. So what we did is like- the highest buying... option, right? Yeah. But what, so what we did, it's like buying different solution not per user, but per infrastructure that cover what Office 365 can do and use open source tools to manage all of those infrastructures. Many ways to handle one simple thing. Uh, <laughs> but this is my opinion only. So, and what I'm facing with. Interesting. So it, it is literally like the, uh, it's like the McDonald's ice cream machine. It's always broken. Yeah. Like they always, they like, they sold them a unit that's designed to fail. And you Absolutely. need to actually fix it to keep it working. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, it's even in Azure when you're running when you're you're running an Azure platform in Azure. Uh, you're first of all starting with forty percent not secure. Now you want to add log aggregation. Under, 
Awesome. Pay one grand for 100 bucks from 100 giga. Cool. So now you move to 50%. Oh, now we need to have a cloud security. Another one grand, another two grand. So, hmm. yeah. And But I did hear Microsoft, I know we're running out of time, but like not even four months ago, didn't Microsoft get caught in a pretty big scandal? Like their secu- their tokens were out there. All these yes. governments got hacked. Yes. Then uh, like Microsoft the next day was like, we're just going to start giving you some more stuff. Just here you go, here you go, you can have it. I tell you something that a good friend, MSP good friend told me once. Uh, when we start work together, you can't put all of your balls all of your balls in the in the in the in the same pack. Why? Yeah. When you use Office 365, you can use their own MFA because one once Office 365 got act, then your MFA got act too. So you may use another solution to do your MFA, right? So I never thought about it in the beginning, like last year something like that, because I say, oh, they give me everything. Woo, it's amazing. Why need to pay extra? But a few months ago, as you say. There was explosion. So, okay, what happening here? Is it safe to put everything in the same pack? Use everything? Maybe not. So, hmm. but again, it's it's a matter of, I, of budget. I just find it very. It's, it's always intriguing to me when the big guy has a problem. Everyone goes like, "Eh, I guess there's nothing we can do." But if it's anybody else, it's oh, get rid of them, find somebody else. Why? I just yes. I think that's just funny. Yeah, it's all about marketing, my friend. It's all about that. <laughs> they position themselves. They're a strong company. They sell everything. They in every price. Don't get me wrong. I, I have I have nothing about them. So they find they good, but so but it's all about money. And that's all, for my opinion. Interesting. Shai, where do people find out more information about Kamanja? What the what it looks like? How do MSPs figure out like what the plan is? Like maybe talk to somebody. Where do they start? So they can find us on kamanja.io. They can find me on LinkedIn, Shai Cohen or, Mar- or Martin Perkins. Uh, they can reach out. There is a link there to book a demo. You can book a demo directly with us. Talk with us more. If you have an MSP, have any dubs, do you want any consult, uh, one hour consulting, 30 minutes consulting, feel free. We are willing to help everyone just to make sure they're in the right direction. Um, By the way, where did you get the name Kamanja? <laughs> oh, it's a good story. So, Kamanja, it's a, one of the oldest violin in the world. It's oh. the most precise melody tune in the world of, uh, of violins. So, hmm. our vision is simplify compliance for MSP and their client, but we precise it directly to their sizes. Got it. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. That's a, I, I just, it's such a cool name. I'm like, where did, where did you just make that word up? Is that what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, if you see on the logo on the top, there is the stick of the violin. You I see? see it. I see it. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. That's a good logo. Uh, Shai, thanks for coming on. Um, I don't know if you're planning to come over for anything before now and the end of the year. I know like, you know, there's only so many airplanes you can be on, but uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll run into you soon. Uh, for everyone else, check this out. It, you know, if this guy's pitches, hey, if you're going to do the compliances, don't ask me. This is what everybody's saying. It's, it has to happen in order to get there. But if their platform really does take 50% less of time, well, that time has a quantifiable value, especially in this business. So I think that's worth just even looking into. So Thank there it is. This session was recorded. We're going to get it online on their msp uh, initiative.com under sessions so you guys can rewind and 
when you when you go talk to Martin, maybe, and you say, "Hey, I said this. I don't know what he's talking about. What does that mean?" Well, then you then they'll have the link ready for you. <laughs> Sorry, my computer just fell on me. But anyway, thank you very much, guys, for joining. Appreciate it. MSPinitiative.com, and Chai will catch you on the other side. Thanks a lot, guys. See ya.